listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering of Southcrest Baptist Church. To learn more about The Venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Y'all excited this morning? Yeah? Man, it's good to worship. Tech one yesterday. What more could you want, right? Y'all doing okay? I'm not gonna, are you doing all right? You good to be here? You glad to be here? All right, yeah. Well, you can talk in church. It's okay. No one ever said you couldn't. Don't get crazy, though. <laughs> hey, if you have your Bible, turn to Ephesians. Uh, and we're actually starting chapter 2 today, so I'm pumped about that. Ephesians chapter 2. Hey, if you don't have a Bible, um, in the, the chairs around it that you're sitting in, there's some black Bibles in the chair. And if you don't have one, we would love for that to be your Bible. You can take that home, write your name in it, keep it forever. We'd love for you to take that. So yeah, Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to start um, in verse 1 here in just a second. Trying something new here. Give me a second. <laughs> hey, Ryland, I'm just going to let you do it. I'm, I'm struggling with my, the remote. Sorry. <laughs> All right. I'm going to pray for us, and now we just pray, but you can't pray too much. So I'm going to pray, and we'll, we'll dive in. God, thank you for uh, this church. Thank you for a weekend where maybe we get a little extra time to, to rest and enjoy life and, and just reflect on your goodness to us and remember that you created us to rest and not just to run ourselves ragged. And so pray we do that this weekend. And God, as we look at your word this morning, I ask that you would just speak to us and um, make your word really clear. God, that you would open our hearts to what you have to say. And maybe if we have preconceived ideas about ourselves, that you would fix those this morning as we see who you are. In your name we pray. Amen. A couple years ago, I think it was about 2015 or so, so four years ago, Lauren and I, my wife, we took a little trip to Santa Fe. We've never been to Santa Fe. We're super excited. We went to Santa Fe. And uh, driving to, I get made fun of because I actually think that there's some really pretty parts of New Mexico. I feel like people are always like, what? How dare you not love Texas more? I do like Texas more, but I think there's some really cool parts of New Mexico. And we went to Santa Fe, thought it was really pretty, even just driving around there. But I surprised Lauren, and I think the third day we were there, we went on, we were just there for like four days, but the third day we went on a hot air balloon ride. And it was really cool because uh, the guy we went with, his name was Johnny. I can't think of his last name, but Johnny. And he was, he was one of those people that when you see him, you're like, of course you do hot air balloons. You know what I'm saying? Like, he just kind of had that look, that vibe. He almost seems like he should be in a movie. But an incredible guy, a lot of fun. I remember um, we got, in the, first of all, he picked us up, no lie, like at 4 a.m. Like, I was all excited until he called the day before. And he was like, well, pick up time is 4 a.m. And I'm like, can we cancel? Like, what is this? Anyways, uh, we got out there. It's beautiful. He has, like, this own, his own private property that he rents from, uh, like, the state or from even maybe the um, Native Americans there. Doesn't matter. Anyways, he has this incredible land, and we get set up in the hot air balloon, and right as we're fixing to go up in the balloon, he's kind of showing us how things work. And if you've never been in one, it's pretty incredible and actually really scary because they basically use fire to make you go up in the air. So like I was talking with TJ, our uh, light engineer, we were talking about like who came up with that idea? Let's get a balloon, go up really high in the sky and we'll use fire. Like <laughs> seems like such a bad idea. So he's showing us how it works, but when he, when he releases, I guess the fire to release the heat into the balloons so that'll fill up and go up in the air, it is incredibly loud, almost deafening. And so 
uh, this Johnny guy who we didn't know real well yet um, is beginning to tell us about the hot air, the hot air balloon and, and what it's going to be like and what to expect. And he's got his hand on the, the, uh, the deal that makes the heat go up in the balloon and everything. And so he says, there's one thing you really need to remember when you're in the hot air balloon. You want to make sure that you remember this. And he, right then he, said, he, he does the heat so it's really loud and he just keeps on talking. And me being a rule follower, I, was, I thought he was serious. I was like, hey, Johnny, I didn't hear what you said. What's going on? And he's like, all I said was. <laughs> Finally, after like getting up in the air, I realized he's just messing with me and it's all going to be okay. <laughs> so anyways, Roland, if you'll put that picture up on the, on the screen. Uh, took this when we were out there. There was another balloon out there. Really cool. This will make you want to go out there, I'm pretty sure. Um, but it was interesting as we were in the hot air balloon. One, so occasionally we would go up pretty high. I don't know how, this high, how high this is, but this was a little bit higher. But then sometimes he would go really, really low near the landscape where like the first couple of times you're like, Johnny, do you know what you're doing? Because you were that close to the ground. And what was kind of creepy almost is when he wasn't doing the psh, really loud heat sound, it was completely quiet. So it was actually like beautiful, but also a little almost eerie of just to literally float through the sky. But something happened, you can even kind of get this idea when you look at this picture. Something happened as we did that that day. Laura and I have been, like I said, in Santa Fe, that area, a couple days already, had even done some mountain biking and stuff. Well, mountain biking. <laughs> More like passing out on the trail. Anyways. Um, <laughs> and we had seen the, the beauty of New Mexico, but in the hot air balloon, it kind of made us slow down because literally you're like just floating about like this. It made us slow down and really see the beauty of, of where we were. It made us kind of take in the grandeur of, of what we were around. You know, I think in the Christian life, often we can get going so fast and so busy that we just kind of forget the grandeur of who God is or even the, the, the majesty of what he's done in our lives. We can, we can kind of forget even who we are as people because we're just going, 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 going. What I love about this passage in Ephesians 2 is this morning we have an opportunity to kind of slow down and remember who God is, or to use our title, to remember who you is also, to remember our identity in Christ, to take in the grandeur. So I'm going to ask you this morning, I'm not going to, I don't have a, like a bunch of cute stories and stuff. We're just going to be kind of in awe of our identity, of our story that's all made possible by Jesus. So this is the story of a believer. Chapter 2, verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Now, there's a good resume. <laughs> he says, apart from God, you were what? What's the first little word he uses? Not word, it's little, it's a big word. Dead. Richard and I joke, how dead is dead, right? You're dead. And you say, well, I don't know. Like before I knew Christ, I was up and walking around and doing my thing. Maybe your body was moving, but you had no relationship with God who is life itself. 
You're cut off from him. So your, your spirit is dead. You, you didn't know God. So you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. So trespasses and sins, what are we talking about here? So a trespass is when you knowing, excuse me, <laughs> coming up a lung here. Just kidding. <clears throat> a trespass is when you knowingly deviate from the path, go off the trail. So it's kind of like if you've been up to Paladero hiking, maybe on the Lighthouse Trail or something, and you, you see a shortcut, you see the sign that says, don't do this, don't go this way, and you're like, ha, 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 you go that way anyway, right? That's what a trespass is. God's clearly laid out how you should live. You know it, and you still say, nah, psh, I'm going to do it anyways. Your trespasses and sins. Sins is, is just missing the mark. So if God sets the standard here, you, you don't hit it. You miss it. Dead in your trespasses and sins. By using this, those two words, he's using or including passive and active sins. So, like, he's saying in every way possible you sin. Sometimes you knowingly sin, and sometimes you don't even realize it. You're trying to do the right thing, and you still sin. You still disobey God. He says you were dead apart from God. Like apart from Christ, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. And then he kind of explains that a little bit more, what that being dead was like. Following the course of this world. So first of all, the course of this world, not like literally just things in the world, like the material things are bad, but the culture, the worldview, the desires of this world that stand against God. He says, apart from Christ, those things are what you follow. Just whatever the world did, though it opposed God, that's what you did. Then he says, following the prince of the power of the air. It's talking about Satan. So not only did the world influence you, but even Satan himself impacted your life and your decisions and your thoughts. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So he's saying like this, there was, apart from the, instead of the spirit of God living in you, there was a spirit, but it was not a good one. It's evil. among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. Every single human who's ever lived, minus Jesus, he was the God man, every other single human saying, this is your story. No, I'm a pretty good person. Uh, no. <laughs> Dead in your sins, in influenced by the world, influenced by Satan, all of us live in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. So he's saying, apart from God, apart from Christ, you just did whatever came to mind to do, whatever felt right at the moment or maybe seemed right at the moment. You just followed your impulses and instincts and just leads you to more death and more destruction. You're just controlled by your desires. And he says, the end of verse 3, and we're by nature... Children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Again, it's a re really encouraging <laughs> testimony. By nature, children of wrath. So we can't blame it on the world. We can't blame our sinfulness, our deadness on the devil. He says, who else is to blame? Us. Me. <laughs> you. You're, it's in your nature. A God hater. A sin lover. Apart from Christ, 
that's your nature. Man, why, why do people do crazy bad things? Like, we don't want to treat that question lightly, but it's because people are crazy bad people. We're broken. So that, that's your nature. By nature, you're children of wrath. So it means that all of us, every single one of us, again, every single one of us deserves the full wrath, the full punishment, the full judgment of God. That's what we deserve. And there's actually a place ultimately that we go to because of God's wrath and punishment if we don't know Christ, and that's hell. We all deserve that. Now, if you're sitting here this morning, you're like, you know, like, I don't know, dude. Like, I, I hear you, and I believe the Bible, but I'm not, I'm not that bad. Like, I, I'm really a pretty good person. Let me try to maybe help you think through this a little bit. First of all, the reason we probably think we're good often is because we like to compare ourselves to others. When it comes to, like, let's say football, I, I didn't play uh, QB in the NFL or anything. It's probably a surprise to some of y'all. Um, but, like, I, I'm not a terrible, like, I can throw the ball decent. Like, we went outside and threw, I could, you wouldn't, like, make fun of me. Jonathan might make fun of me, but I don't think you would make fun of me. And so compared to most people, I would probably be okay. But if Patrick Mahomes came up and wanted to throw, immediately you would be like, Brandon, you're terrible, right, compared to him. When we compare ourselves to each other, eh, maybe we don't look that bad. But compared to the perfect son of God, Jesus Christ, yeah, we're pretty bad. <laughs> you say, well, like, I, I, I do some good things. Jesus called that out as well, right? He says, it's one thing to murder somebody, that's wrong. But even hating someone in your heart is evil. Yes, committing adultery is wrong, but also even just the lust in your heart is evil. So Jesus was saying, it's not just your actions that's, that's evil, it's what's your, in your heart that is evil. So our lives, our actions are like an iceberg. Like we see the action we do and it's just the tip of the iceberg of the deep sinfulness in our hearts. You know, sometimes we deceive ourselves. We look at our actions, we look at the tip of the iceberg and we're like, man, I'm pretty good. And God's saying, you have no idea what's in the depth of your heart. I think it's Jeremiah that says, the heart is wickedly evil and deceitful. Who can understand it? Pretty simple. One last little maybe way to help you maybe embrace this idea that we're all evil. <laughs> Yesterday, <laughs> I, uh, I left the house. I guess it was about five or so. Lawrence fixed to get the kids up from a nap. Um, I, I was going to run exercise real quick and... Um, I still feel terrible that I was not here for this moment. But she said she went to get the kids up from a nap. And as soon as she opened, this is a gross story, I'm just going to tell you. Not that gross, but just be ready. So she opens the door. And as soon as she opened the door to the kid, we have twins. They're a year and a half old. But they share a room. They have different cribs. But they're right up against each other. As soon as she opened the door, she said, she said oh, man, one of the kids must have pooped. Can you say poop in church? I just did. It's too late. Okay. So she said, oh, man, one of the kids must have pooped. Well, as she walks closer... She looks at Caroline Tate, our little girl, who's sitting in her crib, and she's holding a diaper full of poop. <laughs> and she's like, she looks at Caroline Tate and said, and again, like, I feel so bad that I wasn't here for all this. But secretly, I'm a little glad I wasn't there for all that. <laughs> but she looks at Caroline Tate and says, like, where did you get the diaper? And she's just like, hi, so excited about the diaper. And she's going like, did, because she sees that Caroline Tate looks fully clothed. So then she looks over at our son, Haddon, and he is not fully clothed. <laughs> so apparently in that time, he had pooped, smeared his diaper around on the sheets, 
given it to sister, and then she played with it as well. <laughs> and they, they, they thought it was the coolest thing ever. Of course, she was mortified. We're like, oh, my gosh. So we gave them baths immediately, and uh, it, was, it was disgusting. We washed literally everything in their room, I think. Um, but it's funny. They, they thought it was funny. Ah! You and I both know, though, like, it's funny now. That's disgusting, right? Please, please don't hold that against them as they grow up. <laughs> and that's kind of how our sin is. We can laugh about it. We even share it through the crib. <laughs> but God walks in and says, like, it's not cute. That, it's gross. We can try to make light of our sin and talk ourselves into, ah, come on, it's not that bad. But the reality is, in God's eyes, it's, it's disgusting. Apart from Christ, all of us are dead in our sin, hopeless, nowhere to go. Every single human who's ever lived, minus Jesus the God-man, every single one of us, that's our story. But if you're a Christian, that's not the end of your story. Y'all with me? Verse 4. Nope, not verse 4. Yes, verse 4. But God. <laughs> you, you're having a conversation with somebody, and they're like, man, I really like you. You're great and all. But don't you hate those conversations? Here's what's cool about the gospel. God flips that on its head. He's like, hey, you're actually really terrible. Like, you're evil. But. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Man, what a cool idea. God is rich in mercy and love. Like we point out, somebody, man, they have a lot of this or that. God says, I'm rich in mercy and love. Like there's not a, a treasure chest big enough to show you how much mercy and love I have. Because of the great love with which he love, loved us, when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. So here's the deal, y'all. God chose to save you through Jesus, not because of something in you that was admirable or, or savable. Like, man, you're really, you know, there's something different about you. I'm going to save you. You know, it says it springs forth from his love and mercy. There's nothing good about us. There's nothing likable or um, really lovable about us apart from Christ. His salvation, his love for you just springs forth from the fact that he is a loving God says, even when we were dead in our trespasses, even though we were God-haters and sin-lovers, he still in his love reached down to, what to say? Make us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Man, <laughs> he's talking about the gospel, right? So even in our sin, because he loved us, he sent Jesus to live the perfect life that we could never live, to die the death that we deserved. And if we will place our faith in him and, and his resurrection, by the way, we should mention that, he conquered death and hell and sin. If we'll place our faith in him and confess him as Lord, he will make us alive with Christ. So now we get the righteousness of Christ. It means that God looks at us as though we lived the life of Jesus and we get ultimately the, the resurrection victory of Jesus. He says he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? I know we're not literally physically 
in heaven with Jesus right now. One day we will be. That'll be awesome. But he's saying, even now in our spirit, we are with Jesus. So we get to enjoy, as believers, relationship with him, fellowship with him, and we enjoy his victory. His victory is ours if you know Christ. We're seated with him so that, verse 7, in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. How cool is that? God says, I saved you. You're going to be with me forever. Why? Because I just want to, for all eternity, show you how incredible my grace and love is towards you. Like, you, we could just, I'm not going to, sorry, but we could just stop right there. That could be the end of the day. For the rest of eternity, if you know Jesus, he's going to spend eternity showing you that his grace, his love, his mercy never runs out. His goodness to you never ends. I love verse 8. For by grace, in case you forgot, <laughs> for by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. By grace you've been saved through faith. You can't get to heaven by being good. It's by grace through faith. So we receive God's gracious gift of love and mercy and forgiveness through faith. What in the world is faith? I'm going to Pull up two, uh, Ron's gonna pull up two quick quotes for me on the screen. This first one is from Martin Luther. He says, Faith is a living, daring confidence in God's grace, so sure and certain that the believer would stake his life on it a thousand times. So it's going to God over and over again, empty handed, saying, God, I realize I'm messed up, I'm broken. I'm gonna trust. There's love and mercy in your arms to be received. I got nothing to offer. I'm going to rest in your forgiveness and grace and mercy. I'm going to come to you. That's how you get saved. And really, that's how you keep walking with Jesus over and over again, saying, God, I trust you. I can't do this on my own. Howard Marshall, he's a New Testament scholar. He said, faith is the attitude whereby a man abandons all reliance in his own efforts to obtain salvation, be they deeds of piety, of ethical goodness, or anything else. It is the attitude of complete trust in Christ, of reliance on him alone for all that salvation means. So again, it's not like, oh, I'm pretty good. No, it's saying, God, I got nothing. I'm coming to you and placing my faith and my hope in the goodness and the grace of Jesus for salvation. You're my only hope. I'm dead on my own. You're my only hope. By grace, through faith. And I love what he says, again, like our story of who he is. <laughs> Once you're saved by grace through faith, it says, we're his workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. So, beforehand, excuse me. So, we're dead in our sins. God in his grace and mercy and love saves us in Jesus. And then from that, then we begin to do good works. He begins to make us into a beautiful, the beautiful handiwork of God to do good things. So here, here's the truth. The gospel is not about making bad people good or good people better. 
The gospel is about making dead people alive, coming, to a, coming into a relationship with the creator of the universe. It's not about making bad people good or good people better. It's about making dead people, all of which we were, dead people alive. They're really, let me move this out of the way, sorry. There are really two kinds of stories. <clears throat> I know there are three chairs up here, don't worry. <laughs> two, two kinds of stories. Ah, need my Bible, sorry. <laughs> Trying to get my steps in up here. <laughs> <clears throat> this person knows that they're stuck in Ephesians 1 through 3. Sorry, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. Like this, this person sitting in this chair, this story, really I would say by God's grace, <clears throat> realizes, man, I, I don't know God. I don't like God. I'm in a pretty messed up dark place. I don't even know if God could forgive me. If you're in this chair, if this is your story, <clears throat> I want you to know this morning and not because of who you are, but because of who God is, because of his grace and love shown to you in Jesus, whoever you are this morning. You can say, well, you don't know my story. You know, I've not been a pastor that long, but I've heard enough stories. You just, you couldn't shock me. You just couldn't. Like, you could try later. It'd be a fun game, but you just can't, okay? <laughs> Nothing you could do would be too far for Jesus to say, eh, can't forgive that. <laughs> Listen, if you feel like you're stuck in Ephesians 1 through 3, sorry, 2, 1 through 3, dead apart from Christ, Know that verses 4 through 10 can be your story. <laughs> he can make you alive. So the call this morning would be to maybe if you sense God flipping on that light switch in your heart for you to see his grace and mercy and the goodness of Jesus, to respond to that, to believe in him this morning and to know that you can go from death to life and he'll begin to make you his workmanship. It's <laughs> one story. There's another story over here. This chair's comfy. <laughs> this story is a story of, a belie of the believer. So th meaning that Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, like, that's your story. So what's the application there? We could, we could do a whole other sermon on that. Maybe we will someday. But what's the application from this passage here? One. There should be no such thing as an arrogant Christian, right? Because I didn't save myself. It's all, it's all God's grace. Also, if you're in this chair, if you're, you know Jesus and Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 is your story, shouldn't your life be filled with gratitude? Shouldn't it? Shouldn't when we sing, I know sometimes it takes a while to get kind of woke up in the morning, but shouldn't our, heart, our hearts be full of joy and, and thankfulness to Jesus for his love. You know, one other thing I'll say real quick, if this is, you're in this chair, you're a believer. I would say, let's, let's stop selling our testimony short. How often are we like, you know, I got saved at a young age, my testimony is not that great. False, you were dead and now you are alive in Christ. If you're a believer, no one has a lame story. Like, it's not that exciting. A resurrection is kind of exciting, right? That's a miracle. 
So no more of this, me included, I'm guilty. No more of this like, ah, man, my story's not that great. No, you were dead and now you're alive. Come on, y'all, that's something worth getting excited about. <laughs> so when you tell people, don't say, oh, you know, just uh, got saved young, nothing big. No, I was dead and now I'm alive because of the grace of Jesus. And he's changing me so that I can begin to do good things, out of, even out of a right motivation for his glory. Don't sell your testimony short. Because when you do, you're not selling yourself short, you're selling God short. <laughs> You're still in his goodness and grace short. So there were two stories, three chairs. <clears throat> some of this morning, some of us this morning, you think there's a third chair. Here's what I mean. I'm just going to try to be like as real as we can here. <laughs> I love where we live. But you know one of the dangers of where we live there's cultural Christianity. How many of us, and I, let me say this, try to make it clear. I know sometimes you're, you really are in this chair and you just have a hard time describing it. So please don't get all like weirded out here. Like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm really safe. Like, I'm not trying to make you doubt that. But a lot of us, you don't know Jesus. You've never been made alive with Christ. You've never turned to his grace and mercy and love. And you're in this third chair well, that you think is a chair. <laughs> and you say things like this. Again, I'm not saying if you say this, if you've ever said this, you're not a Christian, please hear me out. But in this chair, a lot of things we say are, well, I've just always been a Christian. False. <laughs> you were dead. So no one has ever always been a Christian. Y'all with me? I feel like, I, man, I hope I don't sound like I'm, irritated. I'm just like, I want you to see. <laughs> it irritates me because Satan is a liar and he's tricked so many people in our area of, yeah, you've always been a Christian. No, you haven't. You were dead or maybe you are still dead. Well, you know, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm a pretty good person. Galatians, Paul says in Galatians, the book before Ephesians, that no one gets to heaven, no one comes into a right relationship with God through being good. Zero people because <laughs> no one's good. Not trying to be stupid here, but it's a real thing. Well, you know, like I'm a pretty good person. I go to church. I vote Republican. So I feel like I feel like me and God are tight. Y'all, this whole works-based, I'm good enough thing, it's not, it's, it's not an option. <laughs> like, oh, oh, close. <laughs> yeah, actually, I kind of wish it would have fallen because it doesn't stand. It doesn't hold you up. <laughs> it's, it's not a thing not as a result of works. So I want you to see, there are really only two options. You're currently today at 1024 a.m. on September 1st, 2019, dead in your sins and trespasses, or you've been made alive with Christ by God's grace and love. These are the options. So here's the call this morning. If you're in that chair over there, or you thought you were in this chair, but you realized, crap, the chair's gone. <laughs> Move to this chair <laughs> because you can by the grace of Jesus. Amen? <laughs> no matter how far you are, no matter how broken you are, you can move to this chair. You know what? He, he, he can hold you. <laughs> how do I do that? <laughs> Realize that you're dead and that Jesus is alive and he offers you his life. 
Say, Jesus, I want to turn to you for salvation. I believe in you, and I want you to be the Lord of my life. I'm ready to follow you. Move to that chair. Whether you've been saved for a long time or whether God is saving you right now, this can be your story. Hey, I was dead in the trespasses and sins in which I used to walk. I was following the course of this world, <clears throat> following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom really we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And I was by nature a child of wrath, really just like everybody else. <laughs> but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved me, even when I was dead in my sins, he made me alive together with Christ. By grace, <laughs> I've been saved. He raised me up with him and seated me with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward me in Christ Jesus. For by grace, I've been saved. It's not my own doing, it's the gift of God. Not a result of works. So hey, I can't boast. I am his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, beforehand that I should walk in them. You have a story, or you know what? You can have a story if you'll turn to Jesus. This morning, man, it's my prayer. I've been praying. We prayed before the service that this morning some of you will go from death to life. And maybe even right now, God's working in your heart and you're saying, Jesus, I'm in. I believe in you. I want to follow you. I accept your forgiveness and mercy and grace. Thank you for bringing me from death to life. Maybe he's doing that right now. I believe he is. Y'all, we don't believe that decisions happen like in special places. They happen in hearts. But sometimes getting up and moving and talking to someone about it can be a game changer. So here in a minute, when we begin to sing, if that's you, if this morning you're going from death to life, we're going to have a pastor two back at the coffee area and a pastor two back at the Welcome Y'all Center. We would love to talk with you about your decision to follow Christ. Or maybe you're like, man, I'm not sure exactly what that looks like. We would love to help you think through that and talk through that as we sing here in a moment. But maybe if you're a Christian, as we sing this song here in a second, you just need to, to rejoice in the fact that he's brought you from death to life. Y'all, you have a story. Let's start talking like it. Let's start living like it. And let's start singing like it. Y'all pray with me. Jesus, thank you so much for <laughs> coming to rescue us, even though we did not deserve it. Thank you for coming to give us and show us your grace and your mercy and your love. Lord, I pray that even right now you would begin to awaken people and bring them, not just awake them, resurrect them from death to life. God, I pray for believers that you would help us to remember the goodness of the gospel, that our story is not just that we grew up in church, that our story is that you resurrected us even though we were dead in our sins. I pray this morning we could rejoice in that and celebrate in that. God, as we sing this song, we would think about the scandal of grace, that <laughs> the perfect one, came and died for the evil ones to give us life and hope. So may our hearts soar with love and passion and joy as we sing about your goodness to us. It's in your name we pray.
Amen. If you are encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcast. The goal of the venue is to help you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus by being relational, helpful, hopeful, and real. Thanks again for listening to the Venue Podcast. Thank you.